getting better peaks this time. Yeah, you can actually see the peaks, eh? Yeah. Trying to get you to fix it. I didn't think it was broken. <laughs> I thought it was pretty obvious that it was broken. But you were right. <laughs> yeah, it looks much better now. It looks much better today. Yeah, the mixer is actually going to be doing its job a little bit now. Before it was just just barely doing anything. Oh yeah. But now it actually like some of the lights actually light up. On, oh, lights! On the thing. Ooh, <laughs> shiny. Um, I haven't thought of a title for this episode yet. Uh oh. What's it called? Olding. Yeah. We can talk about it during the show and come back to it later. It's true. I'll see if anything strikes me. Totally TR time. Get yourself a crown to shine. Can be made of anything. Flowers from your best friend. Homemade links are heaven sent. Anything made with love on your head. It's Tiara time. Brand new season. Brand new season. Season three. Hello, Chris. Hello, Sharon. Welcome to season three of the Crown Cast. It's finally here. I know the moment we've all been waiting for. Ooh. It's so good we did it twice. Also, we watched the show twice. That was not a euphemism. Yeah, I know. It never is, Chris. I, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> never. So season three, episode one, Olding, which I think refers to a code name that they had given to the KGB guy. Is that right? It was the code name given to the supposedly KGB guy. So it was Prime it was Minister Wilson. Wilson. Wilson! Which I don't understand why he needed a code name. Everybody's got code names. Oh, like with the American presidency and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. I get that. New actors. All kinds of new actors. Yeah. One same actor. For a short period of time. Sorry, I woke him up. No, you're good. He's just so cute. I have to kiss him. So... I haven't come up with a title for this episode yet. I guess I was doing something else. Oh, I was making dinner. That's what it was. You were totally making dinner. Um, so I didn't, I didn't come up with a title yet. So I'm going to think about that. Okay. And then, of course, the, the viewers out there already know what the title is because they've seen the episode. <laughs> but I don't know what it is yet. I'll be surprised, too. Right. So I've still got to figure it out. Cool. But uh, hopefully at some point we will we will say the magic word and Pee Wee Herman will come out and yell at us. <laughs> and that will be the title. I loved that show. I know. I would still watch that show if it were around. Many people on that show went to have fulfilling acting careers. They sure did. That's true. And other things. So the Crown Cast, season three, episode one. Season three, episode one of the Crown Cast. Here we go again. That's not bad. No? 
That's not bad. Okay. Rolling with it. Do it. Good screaming, everybody. 1964. Uh, You know your house is too big when you have to have lampposts by the stairwell. (laughs) Yeah, they have a big house. Yeah. So I loved this intro scene of... New Liz comparing old stamps and new stamps. Yeah. It was really sweet. It was, they're good at this. Yeah. They're really good at this. I also meant to research actor's name because I wrote down actor's name. Olive, my, Olivia Coleman. There you go. I, I put all That's of them the at one. the top of my notes so I could remember. Good job. <laughs> Olivia Coleman. I, I loved Claire Foy. I loved that actor as young elizabeth regina of course it's gonna take me a minute to get used to olivia coleman Mm -hmm. however she is great it did not even take me a minute i'm already sold i i'm I'm totally sold i was sold she walked in with the corgis and i was sold like that little purse on her arm like she she really did it well she's she's doing great i'm totally sold i'm just saying it is gonna take me a minute to get over Claire Foy. Okay. Are you done now? <laughs> Let's just move on. <laughs> we all grieve differently, Chris. So yeah, it's a bit of torch passing in this introductory scene. Um, and then we get to, I just wanted to mention one thing during the intro, the, the intro bit where the crown is sort of like, building itself out of nothing is oh right 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 i imagined putting it together with lego you've been high on the lego today how many lego kits did you put together today i did three full sets um i did the snowspeeder and then the adat and then the naboo fighter granted two of them are sort of smaller sets but man that imperial walker took me all day that's the only one that has batteries right that are complete, yeah. Uh, R2-D2 has batteries as well. You have an R2-D2? Yeah. He's in the little little bag right oh, there. cool. Oh, yeah, I remember him. Yeah. All right. Well, that's fun. Happy Legoing. Thanks. You're welcome. What is that Star Trek Enterprise box? It is a model is of the a, Enterprise D. Like an old school model with, like, glue and... It's, Tempest paints. I and... think it's snapped together, but it's it's unpainted. Maybe we could do that one day. I am total for shit at painting models. Or do you want to keep it new in box? I would totally build it, but I, I took it out like I was going to build it. Uh-huh. And it's all like white and stark and blank. And I'm just like, ugh, because I'm absolute for shit at painting models. For the other stickers? No. For the snap togethers, do you paint them first or do you paint them after? I don't know. Wow. Okay. But if it's something that you wanted to work on together, like. I've I would, always wanted to put a model together. I would do that. And you know how a lot of times when we have projects that we do together, we each have different ways of doing the project. We right. come from two completely different sure. ends. Sandwiches. <laughs> Sorry, that's not how that joke goes. No. <laughs> You come from the bread. I come from the mayo. Cheese. You come from the cheese. I come from the cheese. 
this has instructions, so we would just have to follow the instructions. True. And there wouldn't be any gnashing of teeth or banging of heads or trying to explain to the other person why we're doing it the way we want to do it. Right. Hmm. It's an interesting thought. So let's see. Okay, so you're saying that putting together the crown, you're thinking Lilligus. So. New Philip is annoyed with new Liz eating breakfast and uses the oh. the butler to turn the volume up on the television. <laughs> so I guess while he invented an- the remote control. While she annoyingly scrapes butter across her toast. Why does she have to butter her toast if he doesn't have to turn up the volume? That is a good goddamn question. Maybe she's just not too proud to butter her own toast. Maybe she that maybe that's how she gets her anger out is by buttering her own toast. I'm gonna butter your toast. Still not a euphemism. Damn it. <laughs> so close on that one. The, the only reason I wrote it down is because it's yet another episode in the saga of Philip and Liz like snipping at each mm-hmm. other. More things change, the more things stay the same. Exactly. We don't want you to think that just because we have new actors, we're going to make them get along all the time. So we talked about new Liz. How do you feel about new Philip? I don't care. Fine. Okay. I wasn't completely invested in the old Philip, and I think it's a pretty easy change. I was sort of tired of the old Philip. Yeah, maybe I, don't, I was I don't too. mind that guy as an actor, and some of the stuff that he did, can't even think of his name right now. Um, but I, I never watched him in anything else. I didn't watch... Doctor Who, so I'm not familiar oh, right, with right, right. his version of the Doctor. Yeah. And I thought he did well mm-hmm. as Philip, but I hated the guy. I was really annoyed with him. We're supposed to be annoyed with him. Sure. So uh, I like this new actor fine. Yeah. I'll get just as annoyed at Tobias Menzies. Sure. Okay. Promise. Yeah, I imagine so. I'll probably get a little more easily annoyed with Tobias Menzies. The only other thing I remember seeing him in was Outlander. Mm. And he's not a really fun character in Outlander. No, he's, so. he's a terribly rapey character in Outlander. But he's a fantastic actor. Yeah. And yeah. I don't hold that against him. I feel like he's he's picking up the role. Yeah. Uh, and making it his own. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Next short scene, phone is ringing by Margaret's head. <sighs> so good. And we know it's Margaret. Like, you know, Long it's before, we don't even see her face in this scene and we know it's Margaret. Right. Phone is ringing a heavily diamond braceleted hand <laughs> picks up the phone receiver by her bed and holds it for about two heartbeats just and long then enough drops to, it. Just long enough for <laughs> the person on the other end to say, princess, it's time for you to... <laughs> And then she right back down on the receiver. So good. It's awesome. I Of course, Helena Bottom Carter is going to be fantastic in this role. We yeah. knew that. I think that's actually going to be the hardest change in actors for me, though. I was just going to say, because, again, I'm going to miss Vanessa Kirby. Of course. As that character. <sighs> she but. has that sneer that's like a royal sneer. Like, it can't be too public of a sneer. Right. It has to be a more internal sneer. Right. And Vanessa Kirby has it down. So good. Oh, so good. But then the transition for me, I think, to Helena Bonham Carter mm-hmm. 
that is as natural as anything. Yeah. We can tell, having watched this episode, this first episode of season three, her relationship isn't doing all that well either. Mm-hmm. She's still kind of snippy. She's She seems much more serious about her snippiness. Right. Than she was as young Princess Margaret. a little older and, yeah. And it just, it plays so perfectly. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun to explore this season. And remember, she is blessed by Princess Margaret. For playing the role. Mm. She had a seance. A seance, right. Okay. And talked to Margaret. So. Well, that's good. Yeah, good for her. Roll on, sister. Method acting. <laughs> and I just, I love what they continue to do with Margaret. I think, I think this time they even punched it down a little harder with her. It's not easy being a princess pillow. Oh my God. That was great. And the chambermaid who left due to nervous <laughs> exhaustion. <laughs> and there's just no more explanation on that. Don't need it. All you need. Don't need so it. Good. I heart her very, very much. So new Tony is still a prick. Tony Snowden. Sure. I don't remember where Snowden falls in his name. Margaret's husband? Yes. He was Lord Snowden. I don't think it's actually his oh, last name. Oh, that's his name. Okay. Uh, not his name. That's his title or something. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. That guy's still a jerk. He fucks off on his motorbike before he gets roped into new Margaret's luncheon. Still has nice motorbikes. Yeah, he does. But this is the thing. Like, they don't... He doesn't want to spend time with her. She apparently does want to spend time with him. But he's like... Off doing his own thing. Right. Well, he has a job. He's a photographer. Right. That's what he loves to do. Also yes, true. he should pay more attention to his wife. I, I do agree with that, yeah. of course. It was election day. He was off to take photos. He got some amazing shots. He did. He was a wonderful photographer. I looked up some of his stuff, and yeah. he has some really great shots. That uh, The one shot of... In the show, the shot of the kids up on their balcony Mm -hmm. and the girl has got her hand extended with the the two fingers pointing up in a V shape. Right. I don't know what that gesture means, but I feel like it's a British insult. It is. I think it's an up yours insult. Okay. Because I've seen other British comedies do it and I don't know. I don't know what it translates into in American hand gestures, but. I'll find out for sure. Okay. I was hoping you'd chime in with some research. So let's see. Then uh, there's an art thing happening. More on that later. Uh, Wilson. They keep talking about this Wilson guy who's running for PM. Wilson, you idiot. He may or may not be a KGB spy. Right. So that'll be fun to get to. And then Liz goes to visit Winston. Right. Her dear old chum. Yes. They, They have a really lovely conversation. Well... Half conversation anyway. Yeah. He had a lot to say. He did. He had a lot of reflecting. He's, uh, he is ailing. He's an ailing Winston Churchill. And he's the one that mentions that Wilson may be in cahoots with Russia. Oh. (laughs) Okay. He definitely has, like, there's a pause before he says the word Russia to like get up the gumption to even say the name of the country. 
Oh, he was talking about how a young Wilson came to him and asked him permission oh, right, to right, go right, right. to dot, 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 Russia. John Lithgow as Winston Churchill was an interstellar casting choice. Amazing. I love him Just so much. Amazing. So, yeah, they have a quick little conversation. Um, Winston falls asleep during New Liz's best line, which I thought was funny. You know, he did that all the time anyway. Yeah. A middle-aged Winston had a tendency to fall asleep in the tub in the middle of talking to you. Right. You were the compass that steered and directed me. Not just me, all of us. Where would Great Britain be without its greatest Britain? And then new Liz gives him a sweet little kiss on the noggin. Aww. It's really nice. God bless you, Winston. I guess they spent enough time together that he may have been a bit of a substitute father for her. I think so. Her, I think so. For her real. dad wasn't there to teach her how to be the queen anymore right. than he had when they were kids. Right. When they were just little girls. So, well, and as we saw in the first two seasons, she grew up a lot mm -hmm. fast. Yeah. And with Winston Churchill as her PM, right. her first PM. So I think, yeah, absolutely. That that played a huge uh, part in her development as the monarch. Mm -hmm. So then new Tony comes home to Margaret's party. Creepy creeper spying through the bookshelf he does have a bit of a peephole in his bookshelf that's so weird yeah that's so weird but he's an artist they're weird <laughs> that's that's creepy weird though the artists that we know are cool weird right that's true I, i'm not condoning his behavior I'm i know you aren't just making making jokes I mean, I guess it's his house. He can do whatever he wants to do. I guess. We have A-L-E-X-A everywhere in our homes. It's true. I'm sure people will find that would find that creepy if they visited. Some people don't like that. If only I could use it to order toilet paper these days. <laughs> yep, that one didn't land. Thanks. So, yeah, Tony is not interested in hanging out with Margaret, mm -hmm. with a partying Margaret. Right. And then uh, the election is over. Wilson wins. Let's talk about Wilson. Okay, let's do it. Harold Wilson. Wilson! He won four out of five of the elections that he was involved in. Okay. This was the first. But he's not known for being a really good prime minister. Mm -hmm. He seemed to be devious and inconsistent. With no long-term vision. Okay. But the legislation that Wilson's government's passed in the 60s, quote, liberated millions of people from repressive prejudice and Puritan intolerance. Okay. And have been decreed as unleashing an era of licentious behavior and moral depravity. Ooh. So yay for that. Well, yeah, Absolutely. Um, under his government's homosexuality and abortion were legalized. The death penalty and theater censorship were abolished. Nice. And the divorce laws were reformed to be more modern. 
So all good things. Yeah. So I guess kind of a plain Jane kind of guy. Right. But did some cool stuff in the background there. I think he was PM for a total of like eight years, I think six. And then there was a two year gap and then the next two years. He's sort of sounding like the Jimmy Carter of. You know, that's kind of what I thought of, too. That's kind of that's exactly what was going through my mind when I was just reading this to you. He sounds like. Well, like they described him at the luncheon. Right. You know, the perfect spy, just kind of plain. Unremarkable. Unremarkable. Didn't really do a lot, but what he did do was cool shit. Cool. All right. I support that. Yeah. So now that he's won, he's going to go visit the queen. Right. As is protocol. And when he, <laughs> when he gets there, the, the head butler or whoever is the like drill was amazing. telling him the protocol on how to meet the queen. And it's just like one thing after another. Bam, 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 bam. And, and now we know. Yeah, now we know. So the protocol is as follows. When you're announced, you bow from the neck. First time you see the queen, you say your majesty. After that, it's ma'am. Rhymes with ham until you leave. Then it's your majesty again. Don't sit until her majesty does. Don't talk until she does. Absolutely no physical contact other than taking a hand if and only if she offers it. No small talk unless she invites it. And at the end, she'll buzz and I'll come and get you. Bow from the neck and walk back towards me. And he did all right. He did well. Um, but yeah, he seemed really uncomfortable in that meeting, mm-hmm. which I think sets up the character pretty well. Right. I'm sure he didn't expect her to like him. Well, I think he said that at the beginning. Yeah, he did say that. Yeah. There's a bunch of political babble in there. There's a dinner that we get to next. It's it's somebody's birthday. Someone's birthday. I don't know whose I it didn't, is. I didn't recognize the character. They said his name, but I, yeah. you know, not interested. Tony shows up late. As usual. Margaret's a little pissy about it. As usual. Mamma mia, here I go again. <laughs> One thing that was said during the dinner that wasn't mentioned anywhere else, but I'm I'm just sort of looking forward to it. Um, they mentioned a trip that Margaret and Tony are going to be taking. I did not look into that. Well, I, I assume we'll be, we'll be getting to it in a future episode. Yeah. So I might preview that a little bit. I just bit. wanted to mention it because it seemed mentionable. So here's where the show really started taking a turn for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're at the party. They have the dinner. Everyone's kind of doing their normal thing. New Tony shows up and like he's a total charmer. Like he kisses the oh, queen yeah. mom. He kisses Liz and says a thousand apologies, yada, yada. Like everyone just loves him. Right. Mm-hmm. But Margaret is still kind of pissy with him. And they're, they're having their little birthday party and they bring out the cake and then Liz gets a phone call and we find out that Churchill has died. Right. Winston is dead. Which is sad now because that that last scene with with John Lithgow, like that's that was his sign off for the series. Yeah. So that was that was a nice moment and I enjoyed that. But now the scene has turned to this sort of slow-mo, mournful kind of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And I don't really feel it. Oh. Because we hadn't seen Churchill in ages. Like, he hadn't been on the show most of season two. Right. Well, because he didn't have anything to do. He wasn't prime minister, so. And I get that. But it's just just like I don't have much of a connection with the mournfulness because all the all the actors are new right the one character that was the same actor has died but we haven't seen him in a whole season right so it's kind of like it felt a little 
uneven yeah. for me. I get that. I get that. Cinematically, though, they did that really well. With their, because sometimes when they do the cutting back and forth thing, it does not work for me. Okay. But with Churchill's funeral and the queen getting dressed Mm -hmm. for the funeral and talking about the actual Russian spy. Right. Like when they do those things, especially when there's three things involved instead Mm -hmm. of two, I tend to get a little confused. They don't always hit it for me. Yeah. And you know, to the listeners, full disclosure, we watched this show yesterday. Right. Without taking notes and without thinking about podcasting. Yes. And then we watched it again today, taking notes. And when we watched it yesterday, I wasn't a huge fan. When I watched it today, I loved it. Really? So okay. maybe it has something to do with actually knowing what is going on and being able to follow more easily being more in touch with the actual situation. Right. Okay. Because I knew how it came out in the end. Obviously I know Churchill said, obviously I know she's going to a funeral, but the Russian spy thing, I know how it comes out this time. Okay. I got it. So I, maybe I was able to put myself into it a little more easily. Okay. Without having to do the brain work to try to figure out what was going on. So that's that's really interesting to me. Um, I did not have much of a change in opinion between the two viewings mm-hmm. of this episode. I didn't much care for it yesterday. I didn't much care for it today. <laughs> um, it feels sort of disjointed. Like it's because mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot that goes on. Like we get a new PM. We get new actors for all the characters. Right. We get this whole Russian spy thing, which is really huge but somehow didn't end up being so pivotal in the episode. It's true. And we get this great character of Winston Churchill dying. Right. So like lots of stuff go on in this episode and somehow it's not really that impactful for me. What I was going to say though, too, contrarily, mm-hmm. this scene where Churchill dies and you, you pointed out Liz is getting dressed kind of by herself. Mm-hmm. That moment right there was really her realizing this guy that was my second father Mm -hmm. is gone. Yeah. And now it's really just me. Right. You know, it's really neat that you say that I hadn't thought of that, but one thing I did really take notice of was that she was dressing for a funeral for a friend. She was not wearing a crown. She was not wearing a bunch of jewels. Right. She did not appear to be the queen to me. She was in actual mourning as opposed to state mourning. Yes. Kind of thing. Yes. That's a good point. Neat. That's really neat. Yeah. Uh, now all of a sudden the CIA is talking about an actual KGB mole. Yes. So really the the whole like the whole tone of the episode now has changed right for me the art mole the art mole we don't know it's that guy yet spoiler alert (laughs) but uh, they do this kind of is he isn't he thing for the rest of the episode um mi5 we get some stuff with mi5 and interviewing people and going to america like there's the cia bit and all that right oh and then the the mi5 guy goes to uh, Buckingham to tell Liz what's going on. Mm-hmm. I think is what happens next. Is that right? Sure. 
Okay, that's what I wrote down next. That's what happened then. So do we want to talk about well, yeah, the art mall? that's what he says. Like this is this is where we find out that it's not actually Wilson, but it's the <laughs> it's the art dealer guy. Sir Anthony Blunt was an art historian. He was third cousin to the Queen Mum. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. He had a scholarship to Trinity College in mathematics. Then he switched to modern languages back in his college days. He taught French and he traveled throughout Europe to do art history stuff. Okay. He visited the Soviet Union in 1933 and was probably recruited in 1934. It was reported in 1950 that he was a communist, but that was kind of blown off. Okay. That was kind of like, whatever. That's sort of right at the, the peak of McCarthyism. Okay. Which was more an American thing, I guess. But. Yeah. And he denied that anyway okay. for even through his confessions and stuff like that. He denied being a communist. Okay. They mentioned in passing the Cambridge Five. Remember they said he was the fourth of the Cambridge oh, Five. Right. Yeah. So that was a spy ring Mm -hmm. of five dudes. They were a group of Cambridge alumni who were kind of Marxist, but not necessarily communists. Okay. And Blunt says, though, that they were not recruited until well after they were at Cambridge together. They were in a different little secret society at Cambridge together that was much bigger than the five of them. Okay. And then later they were recruited. In 1951... Two of his contemporaries, one of which he was friends with since Cambridge, defected to Moscow. And that's when he came under suspicion. He was questioned 11 times, but he gave away very little information, if anything. So they didn't have the goods on him. In 1963, so we're up to current, MI5 learned of Blunt's espionage from an American... Michael Strait, whom Blunt had recruited. So maybe that's where the CIA was in. And that's that's who they referenced. That's who they referenced in the show, yeah. Okay. Those two had met at Cambridge, and they were briefly lovers. Oh. Blunt confessed to MI5 in 1964, and Queen Elizabeth was informed shortly thereafter. Right. And at that point, he named four more spies, which may be why he was able to negotiate a full immunity. And there was also a promise to keep his secret for 15 years. Well, and that's, that's sort of the crux of the show, right? They decide Mm -hmm. between MI5 and the crown Mm -hmm. that they do not want to out this guy. They do not want to press charges. Right. They want to keep it all secret. They want to keep it totally hush hush because it would make the British intelligence seem, make them seem dumb. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like this dude, like, totally gets off scot-free. Yeah. It wasn't until, of course, 1979, 15 years later, Margaret Thatcher was able to release all of the information. Uh And that's when the Queen stripped him of his knighthood. And he was also removed as an honorary fellow of Trinity College. Hmm. So 15 years later. I wonder if they'll come back to that. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. But, yeah, um... Yeah, he got a sweet fucking deal, man. Seriously. Like, treason, spies. Like, you get killed for that shit. And, I mean, the ending title, like, he worked in Buckingham Palace for another six years. (laughs) 
No, eight years. 64 to 72. Really? He worked there for eight more years. That's crazy. That's crazy. It really is. Well, he's a lucky ducky. And from what I read, he was he was hardcore. He moved a lot of documents back and forth. A lot of documents. That's what not James Bond said in the in the show. <laughs> Not James Bond. Right. No, James Bond's accountant. <laughs> so we've covered a lot of the stuff now. There's there's this art thing that they go to, and because they've decided to cover up the spy, mm-hmm. she has to like sing this guy's praises at the art show. <laughs> but she gets a couple of interesting jabs in at him with her speech. And they talked about the two-faced thing through the whole show. Yeah. They, they did. didn't wait until her speech to do that. Like even when they went to arrest him, he was lecturing sure. about about how the truth will out. Yeah. Some sometimes that's all a little bit much for me in this show. Mm-hmm. The show does this a lot. It, they do. And and it's a little much for me just because I see through it. Sure. Like what are the chances the guy was actually talking about that on the day that he was arrested? No. You know, it's... it's Docudrama. I, I knew. <laughs> Docudrama. Leviosa. <laughs> Not Leviosa. <laughs> She's a nightmare. And he did get that great little clip in to Prince Philip when... Well, yeah, because yeah, they had At a moment. that party, yeah. The two of them had a moment. So the mm-hmm. KGB guy and Prince Philip, New Philip, have a moment where they are sort of trading ominous threats and face acting at each other. <laughs> and both of them were really good at it. They were. I mean, the guy's a Russian spy. He can face act his ass off or and his face off or whatever. <laughs> ass act his face off. <laughs> Welcome to our new segment, ass acting. <laughs> Excuse me. I'd like to ask you a few questions. But um, yeah, the KGB dude was really good. Like he, he knew the dirt on Philip from... The season finale episode. He was apparently Philip's art savior. Yeah. When it came out that Stephen Ward, the osteopath, right, had made drawings of Philip, right, probably in precarious situations, someone in the art world, right, scooped them up and hid them away. Just in case. Just in case he needed that later. So um, we're getting towards the end. KGB guy hails a cab back to the palace. And then like new Liz glares at him as he's coming back. And that's pretty much it. She's standing at her big window. Right. Gazing upon her world. So and that's that's it. That's all of my notes. I mean. The only other thing, like, I wrote down was just about how the episode seemed really kind of diluted. It seemed kind of lackluster, especially for a season opener. Yeah. Especially, especially for a season opener with new actors. Yeah. I think Um, you're right. And I know we've had duds of episodes before. I still love this show. Sure. Um, It just felt a little strange, all of this. Yeah. 
it wasn't incredibly interesting. Yeah. Maybe and, they... and for as much stuff happens in mm-hmm. the show. Yeah. It should have been really interesting. Yeah. Maybe they just wanted to start it a little light to get us used to the actors. Yeah, I don't know. Before they got into some real drama. Who can speculate? Who's to know? But again, like the political stuff doesn't interest me all that much. Yeah. I mean, spies are fun. Spies are fun, but we didn't see the guy doing any actual spying. They just (laughs) talked about it. Maybe that's the problem. It's like there wasn't any actual witnessing of the spy act. It was just like, oh, this guy's a spy. Right. Oh, okay. So say you. Yeah. Hmm. Show us. Don't tell us. Ooh, snap. Yeah. Did you learn that at the screenwriting class yeah, that you that took? Yeah, one screenwriting class. Yeah. That's what I learned. <laughs> Worth it. I do want to go back and mention, since I feel like we're done. Yeah, we are. That when we did watch it the first time last night, mm-hmm. we watched it while enjoying a lovely cheeseburger and banana milkshake from Sonic. Courtesy, courtesy of superfan number one. <laughs> Thanks, Kordak. That was amazing. It was so good. There was like a 35-minute wait at Sonic, but it was totally worth it. We hung out. It was kind of nice. We had some quality time together. We did. And it went by very quickly. Yeah, we we spent a lot of time in the car this weekend. We did. Comparatively. (laughs) What's better than all this time we're spending in the house? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Some of the time in the house is fine. (sighs) Sorry, yes and. It's not what I meant. We've spent a lot of time in the house. It's, yeah. Quarantinis, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite scene? Oh, it's going to have to be the wake up call. Mine too. To Margaret. Mine too. 100% Just, introducing Margaret. It was just so perfect. The tone of that scene was right on. It was, it was perfect. Spot on. Um. Okay. So... A dubious start to the season three. Right. But I'm I'm in. I'm I'm in for the long yeah. haul. Yep. So let's see where it goes. And we've got two more seasons after this, according to IMDB. Right. And I think that's it after that. Which is which is fine. Yeah. I think I think five to seven is a good number. I agree. For a series. Yeah. Four can be too short. I'm looking at you, last man on earth. Good morning, Vietnam. How in the world could that TV show be too short? I'm not saying it was the best TV show on earth at the time, but it was pretty close. I liked the one character, the Princess Margaret character. In Last Man on Earth? Yeah, the one that drank and smoked all the time. Okay, yeah. I can't think of that actress name right now. We just saw her in something, too. We just saw her in oh, something yeah, else. yeah, yeah, Steenburgen. Mary Steenburgen. She's on Frankie and Grace. Yes. Grace and Frankie. We're off script here. I'm going to wrap it up. <laughs> okay. So uh, so thanks, everyone. Thanks to the listeners. Thank you so much to our listeners. Thanks, Jenny Parrott, for our intro and outro. Thanks again, uh, Kordak and Lachey, for the sweet gift. That was really lovely. It was awesome. Um, and let me just offer my apologies for the audio quality last week. Uh, oh, I haven't listened to last week's. <laughs> Oops. I mean, just don't even bother. It's, it's not great. <laughs> um, so we had some technical 
uh, misconfigurations. And we? Ho- hopefully, we, the royal we. Okay. Um, it was mostly me. <laughs> but now my office is clean. I've made right way for some new equipment. It's beautiful. I have reconfigured the audio engineering device. Excellent. What do we call that thing? It's a mixer. Mixer. <clears throat> Hopefully the audio quality is better from now on. And it will be easier for me to edit this podcast. And just thanks. You know, thanks for hanging in. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it's going to be a good season, I think. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm happy to finally get to watch it. Yeah, me too. All right. I guess we'll wrap it up then. Yeah, let's do it. All right, sweetie. God save the queen. God save the queen. Totally TR time. The podcast where the stars align. Reigning queen is Emery. King Chris got that royal sound. When he's discussing the crown. Grab your scepter and around. It's TR time. It's TR time. It's TR time. So, I like my mic. Who's to know? Who's to know? If Gary Oldman were in it, you could call it Oldman. Anyway. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> Man, look at those peaks. <laughs> God save the queen. Uh, uh, give me a second. Hang on. <laughs> You're incorrigible. True story. Yeah! <laughs>